Hello and thank you so much for tuning into the Education Burrito, podcast that unwraps the everyday challenges in learning and teaching in education, exploring the ins and outs and highs and lows and different pedagogy approaches, enhancing student engagement amongst everything in education. My name is Q Sum and each episode I'll be joined by special guests as we unwrap the Education Burrito. So I've got a special guest with me this week. I'm joined in this episode by someone who has been part of the Change Agent Network for a few years. They've been heavily involved as the Student Voice Representative at the University Student Union, giving them the opportunity to be actively involved in course changes through the process of co-confounding, co-design and co-implementation. With a background in accounting and finance, they are currently completing their PhD management and this year is in part of the organising committee in the JISC Change Agents Network CAN conference. Can you guess who's joining me today? It's the wonderful Elliot Lancaster. Elliot, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's, a, it's an absolute pleasure. Great, fantastic. How are you doing? You've got, like, I mean, people on the podcast can't see it, but you've got this lovely beach behind you. Is that how you're feeling right now? Thank you. I'm feeling uh, very relaxed, very, very empowered uh, being with you today. Unfortunately, I'm not on the beach, but um, being on uh, on Zoom and other platforms, you can give the impression of being anywhere. Yes. You might not know this, but you're actually my very first student guest speaker on this podcast. Well, I'm, I'm very honoured because there's, uh, there's lots of very prominent student speakers out there who hopefully you'll be able to, to talk to in due course. Yes, definitely. And I thought, why not start with Elliot? He's doing amazing things and he's got these wonderful opportunities at the moment, which we'll go into perhaps later on. But yeah, just, just tell the audience and myself what exactly that you do, because from what we've spoken before, you're kind of doing a hundred million things at the same time. Basically, yeah. So um, you're at my journey. I started at uh, Kiel University, uh, doing my undergraduates in accounting and finance. I then decided to to take a year out uh, to support the student body. Um, So as the education officer at the Students' Union, and bringing about new courses, like critiquing uh, proposals, etc., bringing about new policies, which I can go into later. And then that was based on a lot of my uh, student voice representative work as an undergrad and some of my trustee work at the Students' Union. I thought it brought up quite nicely to uh, to that platform and to supporting the students. And then um, I went on to do, a, to do a PhD, which I'm still doing now in management, which is also at Kiel. So I'm not sure if I'll be leaving anytime soon, considering how long I've been there currently. But yeah, I'm, I'm still looking for opportunities, working quite heavily with JISC at the moment. So I used to be one of their student partners which is a fantastic opportunity, actually something that uh, that we both met on, which was uh, remarkable to be able to go down to a lot of their conferences and events. I was first made aware of the opportunity when presenting at the Change Agents Network conference, and I quite cheekily asked when I was there, how does uh, someone go about hosting one of these things? Because you hear about people hosting conferences, but particularly academics, you never hear about students going on to host conferences particularly at this scale. And um, so I wanted to provide opportunities to students to, to get more heavily involved in conference uh, design, co-design, working with staff members to bring something quite special. Mm. Well, you've mentioned a couple of fantastic things. I mean, you're doing your PhD. Are you coping okay with your PhD? Because I know I'm doing my PhD at the moment. I'm sure from your experience, there's ups and downs and challenges, but are you finding it okay? Uh, definitely. It's, it is very rewarding, but there are times when you do feel isolated, which is perfectly natural with a PhD and there's lots of support around you. So it's, uh, it's definitely worth uh, reaching out to people if you need that, uh, that additional help. But I think it is a fantastic experience. And are you okay in terms of managing your PhD and doing other multiple things? <laughs> I, I think they're all related in a way. And a lot of the things I do are in education and uh, supporting other people. And uh, I, I just 
I think it's a good way to gain ideas and basically use experiences to support each other as well as supporting other people. I think it keeps things interesting as well. Exactly. And you've mentioned that um, about GIFs, right? And that's where we, how we both met. It is, yes. Way back when. Yeah, student partner, exactly, a few years ago. So you've kind of been part of this, I mean, this sector for a while now, whether as a student, as a sabbatical officer or working with GISC. What does it mean to be a change agent to you? I think it's um, a role with a, a tremendous amount of responsibility, actually. I think it's such an important role, something that we've only begun to actually understand within the in recent years. Um, it has been a concept that's been discussed for, for many years, but it's not something that's really been implemented to the scale that we're seeing now. So I think it's something that we all have responsibility to get involved in, whether it's uh, becoming a student voice representative or we're sitting in classes providing ideas. I, th- I think there's a multifaceted platform that, that we can all uh, take part of. And it's not just about students, it's about staff. It's about professional staff as well across the organisation. Even civic partners are fundamental to providing these opportunities and, and working with students to create an inclusive curriculum. So I think uh, it's something that everyone has a part of. Mm-hmm. And of course, you've been on in the field again for a number of years. How did you become one? Did you thought, you know, for your university, oh, you saw that they were advertising for, for students to be part of a project and then you just said, yes, as you would do, as Elliot would do? Or how did you just kind of started this whole journey? So I went down quite a traditional route, actually. I um, saw the position of a student voice representative um, being advertised by the Students' Union. And that was in my second year, actually, something that I didn't start my first year. I started my second year, so I was behind the curve compared to some of the um, people in the organisation at Kiel. And I thought it was just a fantastic opportunity to be able to bring about a lot of changes to the course that I was on. Um, don't get it wrong, it's a fantastic course, but I think there's so much more that we could have done in terms of student engagement, bringing about new technologies and making sure that basically students' voices were being heard and, and, ha- and have that platform. So it's something that I found quite inspiring, actually, as an opportunity. Hmm. And you've mentioned as a student rep, you've done a couple of number of things. Could you share perhaps a few prominent ones that you feel that you were able to contribute much and making a change, not only to you, but your colleagues or other students and to the wider university concepts? Oh, definitely. Um, so one, one of the first things I got involved in was actually decolonising the curriculum. Um, so we went through reading lists and we went through um, like staff selection, etc., to make sure that what we're doing is, is in- inclusive and uh, aligns with best practice. That's something that uh, I had very little experience in beforehand. Um, so it was a journey of learning for myself as well. But I thought it was important to make sure we had people around the table who were very prominent in the area as well to, to provide suggestions and and it went really well. It actually went to Kite, which is the Keele Institute of Innovation and Teaching Excellence. Um, and they built on these concepts uh, further to make sure that when new courses and course uh, redesigns come around, that's actually done in the most inclusive way possible. So there's now a um, policy across the entire institution, which has been built upon uh, on the seeds that we, that we looked at. Hmm. Who did you work with on that project? Because obviously decolonising a curriculum or any project within the university it's quite a hard task I can imagine and speaking from my own experience you can't really do it without working with partners academic partners or students so tell us a bit more about the project itself I mean who did you work with and so forth no and and you're right partnership is one of the key elements and a lot of innovation won't be able to happen without it and so it was um, students such as myself across um, a variety of different demographics we also had staff members representing as well particularly on the course in the faculty in that case but of course it did happen across the institution Uh, we also brought in representatives from NUS 
and other uh, bodies as, as well to provide best practice to make sure that we we're doing was was in line with the, with the institutions as well to um, provide some innovation as well. And it's really, it's really you know, funny that you've mentioned you've worked, worked with different stakeholders from civic members to, to students and obviously you've come through a stage where you were a student and then you became a staff member, like the sabbatical officer. How did you find that transition? I mean, did you find it really hard to put your own views as a student and then turn that round as a staff member to ensure that not only your voice is heard as a student, but then your voice is heard as a staff, but also you as a staff member hearing students voices if you know what I mean I, I do know what you mean it's is quite a complex role when you think about it because you're there both as a student and, and staff member in the way that you represent the students so it is it's a very interesting role actually being a student voice representative um, for two years beforehand and also being a trustee of um, the students union I think gave me um, a lot of experience which I benefited from uh, when I actually became the education officer I wasn't just a normal like core student voice representative. I actually ran to become the um, school level uh, student voice representative in my second year, and so I was exposed to a greater variety of issues, um, as well as being um, a faculty representative at one point. And did you find that there were any challenges in terms of whether your professional relationship with staff changes? Perhaps they were your your academics. I, I'm not sure, but did the people you work with, your academics, that they taught you on the course, and then you see them outside the course as well? How did that feel like? It was a bit, it was, it was quite strange actually. It was mainly on some of the faculty committees where I did see a couple of staff members who, who taught me and who I worked quite closely with in my undergraduate studies. But, but when it came to other projects, particularly as the education officer, it was with um, other people that I hadn't met before. So there were the challenges there about making sure you build up that rapport and you're actually acting as a critical friend. Um, and I think it's important to distinguish that, yes, we are critiquing them, but also acting as a friend because we're there because we want to support both students and staff members at the end of the day, want the experience to be the best for everybody. Mm, exactly. I think being a friend, I think it depends on how you define the, mm. <laughs> I mean, the word friend, right? You, of course. <laughs> yes, but um, <laughs> it's interesting in terms of how they've helped you through your project, not just with your academic study, but also the extracurricular activities, for example, decolonising the curriculum. And... I guess that relationship was very strange at the start because you don't know, you're not sure how they are, how you're coming in with as a student, but then you are kind of transitioning into member staff and as an academic or member of staff already established in university, they feel quite strange having to share that platform with yourself or, or like a student. I think it's about how you frame the discussions that you're having to make sure that is a, an inclusive platform for everybody and, and we, we all go in with, with an open mind. I think that's the, the most important thing. Um, so we're quite lucky in terms of the people that have had to share these committees and um, providing equal time and space to everybody. Um, I appreciate that's not necessarily the case at all institutions. So it's, it's something that I am, that we do benefit from at Keel. I think, I think it's the way in which you ask questions as well and, and showing that level of understanding and, and concern for what their, their issues may be as well. You've mentioned a couple of benefits in terms of, you know, developing your, your relationship with academics and colleagues and students and knowing, you know, who to contact as well. Could you give us a, a few examples and perhaps tell us a bit of a few situation of how you developing your own professional skills and experience? Oh, definitely. I, th I think there's lots of things that I've developed, particularly in terms of networking. 
uh, understanding everybody's roles within an institution. Uh, educational institutions can seem quite complex in the way that they've been established, sometimes not as linear as, as one might think. Um, so it's about understanding different staff members' remits and then building up a rapport with those uh, staff members. And that, of course, can't be done within hours. It takes uh, some time to to build that uh, that level of trust that's required to make the change that we need to see. Um, so there's um, a number of examples I could go through. So one of which was um, on the vet school um, for Kiel. At the time, we didn't have a vet school. There's a proposal that, that came through uh, by the executive of the university. And as the education officer, I was um, basically designated to sit on the committee for that to be approved, to make any changes um, to the course. And doing a lot of research, we went to meet other um, veterinary schools across the country. And we noticed that uh, mental health issues can be quite um, significant and severe for these students. And so we um, went through and put in measures uh, to make sure that the course had that in mind when designing assessments and also um, the way in which the course was structured and access to, to wider supports being at the university and uh, outside that as well. It's quite an interesting school and course because it's um, a dual uh, awarding course between Harper Adams and Keele University. So it's quite complex in terms of not only working with uh, academics at Keele, which I already knew quite a lot of at the time, but going into a setting of another university, um, which I had heard of, but that's as far as it went. I didn't know anyone there. And working closely with the student body and student representatives at Harper Adams, working with the staff members and trying to build up that rapport quite quickly, understanding what their issues are, because the background of Harper Adams is very different to at Keele. At Keele, we've got a very strong like medical school, but we don't do anything in, in veterinary. So there are, there are similarities, but of course, it's a different area. But at Harper Adams, they've got a very strong veterinary nursing area and, and how to bring together the synergies in terms of what's what's good at Keele. And of course, what's good at Harper and how can we make this thing work together? Mm, brilliant. Some brilliant stuff there. And I think, I mean, we can go on forever in terms of looking more into what actually you do, but I think I'll leave that as a cliffhanger. So if anyone wants to know more about what you did, they'll come to you directly and ask you and perhaps you'll get some collaborations uh, for potential projects. But yeah, looking ahead into the future, how do you think the work that you are doing as a change agent will evolve in the higher education? I think that's that's, um, that's really important. Um, what I'd like to see is more opportunities available to students, something that they can actually have some sense of ownership over. I think a lot of the opportunities at the moment, like student voice representatives are a really common one. They're, they're mainly um, where students see opportunities they're interested in, they apply to these and, and if, they, if they get in, they'll be able to help support their course uh, that, that in that way. I've got to say, I, I think students need to have um, greater empowerment in order to be able to come up with their own opportunities and to be given a level of support, resource or otherwise, um, to bring the change about that they want to see. So I'd like to see some sorts of fellowship programmes, as it were, whereby students could bring any idea, could be in relation to their course, because I, I mean they're, they're the ones that we see most often in the literature, or it could be to do with general well-being um, support across the institution and actually provide them contacts, provide them resources and actually help them as a leader on that project instead of challenging or supporting a project to bring about the change that they want to see. Hmm. And I know kind of we kind of gone to the future, but you've raised some very good point there in terms of the risks, right? You know, students, you will want to see students having that empowerment in terms of making changes, whether hmm. in collaboration or co-creating projects or decolonizing the curriculum. But what other risks do you think, you know, in terms of being change agents, can bring into the educational space? 
I, th- I think there can be risks in terms of if they aren't provided the proper support, um, either at the start or throughout the project, then these, these kind of like teeper off and um, unfortunately aren't successful, not because the students have an interest in it, it's just they don't have that continued support in order to keep the momentum of that particular project going. Mm. And I think, I guess, students or or anyone who wants to be part of the kind of collaborative project, they need to have some sort of training. And I think communication is very important aspect in terms of it's not a one way communication, but it's a two way communication. So everyone know in the project or in the group, know what the expectations are and the standards and how they can work together collaboratively and cohesively, actually, to make sure things are being, you know, getting done and having the successful outcomes rather than you know, going back and forth in emails and communications and trying to figure out who it is in the project group are to do things, right? Because you might expect an academic that, or actually it's that power dynamic as well, because you might be working with students, but then you don't know whether or not they should be doing this or that. But it's very much like, it's a grey area, isn't it? It is. And I, th- I think it just takes some time to establish these ecosystems and we need to take an ecosystem approach looking at and the involvement of staff members, uh, students. And I think something that we need to look at more is um, civic stakeholders as well and, and their role to play in creating an inclusive curriculum, both uh, in the present and in the future, and, and, the, and creating opportunities that students want to see. At Kiel, um, things that have been successful around work placement sort of projects, um, so tying assessments into practical examples, and that's something that we've seen a lot of uptake on. And it doesn't necessarily have to be with your traditional for-profit organisations as well. We've seen um, a bigger uptake on charitable projects as well. And many people listening to podcasts might be feeling less confident like you are, you know, in terms of whether a student, who might be a student listening or academic listening to this or a member of staff, in terms of not feeling confident in bringing students as change agents on board or even dipping their toes in. What would be, say, earliest top three tips to get started, whether for an academic or or, or member staff or a student? I, th- I think the first one is communication. It, we have to be able to to talk to our students and fellows, uh, and, well, if you're a staff member, your fellow staff, to see what the issues are and to be able to be quite open um, in those conversations to uh, leave your reservations behind and actually see what it is that uh, the people want. We can spend a lot of time at a particular organisation and then move on to a different one. It's quite common to move around, uh, particularly in HE. And we get to know um, a lot of our fellow colleagues across uh, the sector, um, but we don't necessarily understand the issues of that particular institution. So we see new staff members coming in with lots of really good innovative ideas. I think communication is the, is the top one. In terms of other ideas, I think it's around ecosystem approach. I think that's really important to be able to provide some, something that's quite cohesive, um, whereby students and staff members can get together. It doesn't have to be in a formal setting either. Um, a lot of the discussions that we have are in an informal setting, um, taking place either online or face-to-face, such as like lunch session drop-ins. They've been really successful. Um, just giving people the opportunity to get around the table and talk. It doesn't necessarily have to be about a particular idea of that time it's about building up that relationship building up that rapport and that trust for everyone to be able to willingly bring forward ideas and work on them together I think that's really important and something that we could see more of in the sector I think finally it'd be about um, student transition Um, so we get lots of students who uh, really want to get involved in this project uh, but they actually don't see a way forward they don't know where to go with their ideas they don't actually know how to develop and they don't know um, what sort of training they need and they need 
I think more of a mentorship and coaching relationship with other students and staff, potentially other student change agents have gone through this uh, like ourselves uh, to be able to see what's possible and how they can bring their ideas to fruition. Fantastic tips there, Elliot. So let's end this podcast with a fun part. Okay. I've got a random list of questions. It's a quick, short, fire round for all our listeners, for myself to know you more. Okay. These are just random questions. Um, so don't think too hard about it. And it's really up to you <laughs> what you say. Sounds so good. are you ready? Oh, I am ready. Tea or coffee? Oh, tea. Invisibility or super strengths? Invisibility. What do you do to recharge your energy after a long, stressful day of work? Or a good nap. A good nap. A good nap. (laughs) (laughs) A sleep or nap? Oh, it's got to be a nap because then you can get back up in, in, in involved in something. Most if you if you go to sleep, the the time's ticking away. I like your thinking there. (laughs) (laughs) What's your favourite movie? That's a good question. A few good men. Other than your phone. What would be the best thing, one best thing actually, to carry around to show students or colleagues in corridor? A laptop. Okay, other than your laptop or phone. <laughs> um, what do you normally carry? That's the question when you're on campus. I know it's been a while, but what do you normally carry? <laughs> I say have a lot of the, some of the best conversations I have, but there's, there's, no, there's no props um, no props there at all. But I think something that would be really good actually is to um, have something that we can showcase like previous um, ideas and projects. So something that we've actually had at Keele for is something called a living laboratory. And then like case study examples that you see across the wall um, of different sustainability projects that students have worked on. So maybe some sorts of um, living laboratory feature um, that we can um, kind of showcase to people. Mm. Or I'm thinking like a leash where you just pull people to those walls and show them the project. <laughs> <laughs> You see, you see, I think you need to come willingly, otherwise um, they won't have that level of interest or engagement. So, so, so we need to do something quite interactive. So um, maybe a flash mob, we'll bring a flash mob and then um, we'll be able to get students involved in that. Interesting. <laughs> okay. What three words would you describe yourself as a change agent? Empowering, open-minded, mm. collaborative. Okay. What's the last fiction book you read? It was one of the uh, Sherlock Holmes novels. Ah, you like Sherlock Holmes. Okay, interesting. (laughs) So then Watson or Sherlock? Watson or Sherlock. I think Watson is underrated, to be honest. Fair enough, but then Sherlock has got these very good characteristics as well. I think it's a good collaborative team though, aren't they? It is. That's that's the, that's a good that's an example of, of how collaboration can can work in practice. Yes, strange, but it it works. So, what's your favourite music genre? Favourite music genre? I quite like eighties music. Oh, I never thought really. Oh, interesting. Okay, who is your favourite learning and teaching or change agent hero? Oh, that is a good question. I've, I've had a, a lot of really good mentors actually uh, throughout my time. I'd probably say um, Professor Rafe Hallett at Keel. Um, he's um, been quite an outstanding individual. We've worked on lots of projects together and he's actually been able to empower me through the things that I wanted to do, particularly as a, as a young change agent. Um, so I think a lot of credit is, uh, is out there. Great. And finally, because our podcast is called The Education Burrito, what's your favourite burrito fillings? Favourite burrito fillings? I do like guacamole. Guacamole is good. And pulled pork as well. That's, that's pretty good. 
anything else in there? I, I, I feel obliged to put some sort of salad in, aren't I? Um, I? I've got to have some sort of healthy elements in it. Well, that's all we have time for in this episode. If our listeners want to find out more about what you do, Elliot, how can they do so? so they can get in touch with me directly. Um, so um, my email address can be included uh, in the podcast. That's uh, e.a.lancaster at keel.ac.uk. And perhaps you do have some exciting opportunities coming up. Um, so I am a, a guest editor, uh, as, as, as you were on the Journal of Education, Innovation, Partnership and Change. And so I think it's, uh, it's only right to, to, to plug the journal. It's a, it's, a, it's a fantastic publication, which we encourage not only just staff, but of course students as, as partners to, to get involved in it, whether it's providing their own um, article or working with their colleagues, whether they're staff or students, to provide um, articles and case study submissions. Um, so the closing date for submissions is the 8th of October. Um, so if you do have a 500 word outline, then it would be uh, great to send it across. Great plug, Elliot. And I really do understand where you come from. I think, like you said, I did it uh, last time before you. And it's such a great opportunity. You learn how to work with authors, the editors, the copy editor. You'll know how to find reviewers <laughs> for your journal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you just learn, you'll learn a lot. But I think the most rewarding part is seeing the writing. Um, the collaborative writing from staff and students so that is very um, a very good opportunity not just for yourself Elliot and too for your professional development but also the opportunity for listeners if they want to submit something they can send it in as well so I really do encourage everyone to to do so and so again a big massive thank you to you Elliot Lancaster for sharing with us on what it means to be a student change agent well thank you so much for having me It's, it's been a pleasure and if there's anything that has sparked your interest please do get in touch Thank you so much for your time and tuning into the Education Burrito. Make sure to hit the subscribe button on whichever platform you're listening on and be sure to like it and share it on social media, tagging us at the hashtag the Education Burrito. If you have enjoyed our chat today and fancy coming onto the show, no matter as a student or member of staff, do drop us a message as we unwrap learning and teaching in the Education Burrito.